Hello, I'm Becky Hadid, host of The Storied Recipe. As my weekly guests share their stories through the vessel of cherished food memories, we all become better cooks, more grateful for the gift of food, and we honor those that have loved us through their cooking. Hello, everyone. It's always good to be with you. I wish I was here today to share just sort of a lovely, thoughtful conversation with my guest, Anna Karzeva, about a bygone era, um, which she's written about in her very remarkable cookbook, The Soviet Diet Cookbook. This serves as really um, an anthropological and historical analysis of the Soviet regime told mostly through her grandmother's eyes. But unfortunately, we cannot have that conversation today because rather than looking back at the Soviet regime in retrospect, Anna reports that almost overnight, beginning with the invasion of Ukraine on February 24th, Russia has instead plunged directly back into that dark and difficult part of Russian history. Anna shares her own personal story of the rapid nightmarish descent into this new period of repression, isolation, paranoia, and deprivation. And she talks specifically about the events that led to her realization that she had to flee Russia immediately. She felt that her choices were to leave Russia or face in all likelihood a prison sentence of over a decade. Today, Anna speaks to us from Istanbul, where she is living in her sixth apartment in just two weeks. She is sick with concern for Ukraine. Um, She is partly of Ukrainian descent. Her grandmother was a Ukrainian Jew. She's full of fear for her dissenting family and friends that remain in Moscow. And she's only beginning to guess how she can put back together a life that Putin has smashed into a thousand pieces. So I do welcome Anna today and her very important perspective to the podcast. I also highly commend her book, The Soviet Diet Cookbook, to you as a way to understand what's happening right now. Um, The culture from which Putin emerged and also wants to bring back to Russia is bringing back to Russia. And as always, I thank you listeners for being here. Hello, Anna. Hi, Vicky. How are you? I'm okay, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Say that again. Yes, yes. How did that go? Uh, Well, it was okay. Uh, It's not far. I mean, we dragged the suitcases up the road Mm. and uh, Kit, our son, was screaming, Oh, my legs are tied. Carry me. (laughs) Carry me. (laughs) Uh, The usual. Mm-hmm. Does this yeah. feel like a semi-permanent right. move? Like, does this feel like it can last for a little while? This this one. Uh, we've got it until Saturday. Mm-hmm. So, well, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm waiting for my visa, mm-hmm. and it. I have no idea when it's going to come through. Yeah, yeah. So we'll definitely be moving again. I just don't know when. Okay. Or what what is that to do? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I really do want to thank you for taking the time during such a tumultuous time um, for you. No, it's a pleasure. It's Mm. a pleasure. Mm. I just wish I was a little bit more perky. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's understandable why you're not. And I think that we would like to enter into that uh, with you. I don't think 
I, I don't think when it comes to these topics that we're going to be discussing that any of us feel perky. And I think that that's, you know, sort of the appropriate, mm. the appropriate thing. Yeah, to, absolutely. As a way, we're going to, we're going to talk about this massive upheaval in your life that just happened. But as a way of kind of leading into that, I'm trying to understand um, how surprising this, I know it was very sudden for you, um, how surprising it was. So for us in the US, um, mm-hmm. I'm speaking for myself, like I think we saw the buildup. And so maybe like when the actual invasion happened, it was kind of like, yeah, we, we saw that coming. But really, I don't think most of us saw that buildup coming. I don't think we were aware um, that this was coming in any way. When I listened to speeches from Western European leaders, I got the sense that this um, surprised them. I'm sure there's people you know, in the intelligence community that were not surprised. But for me yeah. as an average US citizen, if you asked me a year ago, I, I, I didn't know what was going on. It was not on my radar. Um, mm. For the average Russian citizen and um, for you specifically, maybe you can speak to kind of both. Were you surprised by this invasion? Yeah, yes, you were. I was. I mean, I mean, of course, we saw the tanks mm-hmm. um, by the border, and you no, know, I watched a lot of analysts who are usually, you know, right on top of things, and they were all saying Russian not analysts. Russian analysts, um, they, they were saying there's not going to be a war. He's just using it as a negotiation tactic. He's just um, he's just doing it to scare people. It, there's not going to be a war. And it was, I mean, on the 23rd of February, I watched the video by Alexei Pivavarov, who I watched for news. And he was like, this is more than they wore. Just he's just scaring everyone. Uh, media war, this kind of stuff. But don't worry, nothing is going to happen. And on the twenty fourth, obviously, I woke up and realized they'd gone in. But it was a complete shock. Even though we knew that there were tanks by the border, we just thought that he was just. Um, trying to scare everyone and say, look, you know, if you want to negotiate with me, take me seriously and this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know for the average Russian, I don't know. At that point, I wasn't trying to understand what the Russian media were saying about it, whether mm. they were saying anything about it. I don't know. So when you speak about these analysts that you were watching and this person you just named, is that like a member of the um, the state-run media, or was that a more independent? No, no. Uh, they're all it's all independent media, mm-hmm. um, all you know, very much anti-government. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and okay. this guy that I mentioned, Tivavarov, he his news, he says it's um, his opinion. Mm-hmm. So he has a, a, a weekly news show where he says he expresses his opinion on things. It's just mm-hmm. that I agree with his opinion on most things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't mind that it's not just objective news. Mm-hmm. But his opinion has always been anti-Putin. And mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't know, we just didn't see it coming. 
Mm. Is he still on in Russia? Like, can people still watch his program? Uh, well, they're um, not sure whether they've banned YouTube yet, or they're just, I think they're still talking about banning YouTube in Russia. Mm. Okay, so you watched him on. Hmm? Say that again, sorry. Uh, I still read his Telegram uh, channel. I'm pretty sure he's out of the country. Uh, okay. Right now, almost everyone is. Okay. I mean, who's against the regime. Right, right. So uh, he's out of the country. You're out of the country. Tell me about how... Uh, so I, I think I told you, I... Um, I saw Zuza Zach, um, mm-hmm. who came on for an emergency episode a couple of weeks ago. And then I'm actually doing a full, I had planned a full episode with her and um, she's actually coming. Um, we're going to interview this Wednesday, um, share oh, something yeah. that you posted and you just kind of said, this is, this is what's going on. You know, 50% of us are just sick. We're, we're, we're scared. We're shaking. We're calling our Ukrainian friends and family and saying, we love you. We're, you know, we can't believe this. And then I didn't see anything from you. And then the -hmm. next thing I knew you were out of the country and you said you basically had this choice to leave the country or go to jail. So from when you woke up on the morning of February 24th to where you are now, um, what have you been through? So yeah, the the first day of the war, um, I went to a protest and the spoke to uh, a media outlet, a Western media Mm. about my experience. And um, I said one thing on there that would have got me into a lot of trouble, um, which I won't repeat because it's dangerous. Um, Mm. It was live as well. So I got very scared after that. did you and know was, when you said it how dangerous it was? No, I was in shock when I was when I was doing it because you know the first day of the war and I'd been to the protest and it was late at night as well as after midnight. I'm normally in bed by eleven. Mm. And I was so shaky and I wasn't expecting this one question. It, was, it just took me by surprise. Mm. And um I said it and I and only later, I don't know, maybe twenty minutes later did I realize what I said. Mm. And I went, oh, my God, I'm going to be in so much trouble. And that was when I didn't sleep all night. I was was listening for the steps outside the door. Wow. Um, yeah, it was awful. I mean, I got paranoid. I, 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 I didn't have really reason to think they were coming for me right away. But, I mean, this fear is kind of in our DNA. You know, our grandparents were listening for those steps outside the door. Mm-hmm. I grew up knowing about this fear. I've read a lot about it you know, as a as a historian. Mm-hmm. And when it happened to me, it just I just went into that mode very quickly, into that mode of being very scared. Mm-hmm. And um and, and then a couple of days later I went, no, it's okay, God, I just I got too paranoid. It's okay, uh, I'll be fine. And then they introduced, first was the law of treason. If you support Ukraine in any way, um, financially or otherwise, you can go to jail for 12 to 20 years. 
Oh and the, and the, some days later, I don't remember exactly, two, three, four days later, they introduced this law of fake news. So if you share any information about what's happening in Ukraine, uh, you can get 15 years in jail. And um, obviously what I had done meant probably treason, mm. but also fake news, according to them. Mm. And they... We're talking about martial law being introduced, and okay, I I saw people leaving. I saw so many people leaving. You know, media people leaving, and I knew that I wasn't going to be among the first ones, you know, to be arrested. But I didn't want to wait until it was too late mm. to leave, because so, with martial law, even just your neighbor could turn you in. It wouldn't even have to be someone official. Yeah, and they yeah, and they could close the borders as well. So mm-hmm. I just thought, oh my god, if if it does get introduced, and they, and they were talking about it like tomorrow or in mm-hmm. two days, they'll introduce this martial law. And I was like, what's martial law? You know, I started looking it up. What does it actually mean? Mm-hmm. And I got scared. And my husband was saying, we need to get out. I'm worried for you. Let's get out. Let's get out. And I I didn't want to leave, you know, at first. And then. Mm-hmm this martial law talk um, started and I just got scared and I said, let's book flights for tomorrow. Wow. And um, and so we left and I knew they were checking people at border control already. Um, I'd heard from some people that their phones were checked. What were they checking for? 40 minutes to see whether you follow any dependent media, uh, whether you follow Navalny's page. Uh, whether you've posted anything, whether you've said anything in your um, messages Mm -hmm. to friends. Yeah. Basically checking to see whether you are an enemy. Right. And And you clearly had that Instagram post still up. I had the Instagram posts. I had Facebook posts. Um, Obviously, all my messages with friends were Mm. about the about the war and how horrible it is and all of that. And so I deleted a whole bunch of messages. I archived my Instagram posts mm-hmm. and Facebook posts. Oh, and my profile picture on Facebook also was anti-war. And from before that for a Memorial, which is an organization that, well, actually they've just dissolved it, but um they started the process of dissolving it before the war, mm. but they worked to preserve the memory of those purged in the Soviet Union, mm. mostly under Stalin. And mm. um, it was it was a red flag for sure when that organization was, was told they couldn't work anymore. Mm. Uh, and I think they just they've just appealed. Again, just now, I just saw it before we started our conversation. Mm. They're they're appealing in court, but it's all part of this um, part of the thing of of trying to make Stalin look good and and trying to erase. They're even trying to. I guess I didn't. I guess I didn't realize that. I mean. is there any rewriting of that? Like, is how how could you go back and make him look good at this point? Oh, you'd be surprised how many people in Russia think that Stalin is good. Really, it's a big problem. 
Lots of people, like young people don't know history and all the people, uh, for some of them, I mean, I think it's their way of dealing with trauma. Yeah. They're trying to pretend like it was okay. It didn't happen. Mm -hmm. They're trying to, um, stop themselves from, from realizing just how awful things were. Um, Wow. Yeah. So there's a lot of denial mm. of what happened um, mm. as a country. We never owned up to the crimes of the Soviet state. Mm-hmm. We never moved past it. Um, and now we're just back in the 1930s. Or, I mean, they say 1917, 1937, 1941, or 1990, you know, these dates of mm-hmm. where we now you know um and it, it's it's uh kind of a bit a bit of a mix of those mm-hmm. dates which are all very significant and very sad for russian mm-hmm. history anna how i i don't have this in the questions i'm just wondering at the moment how were you able to be such an independent thinker in the midst of this well i was raised that way mm-hmm. my grandmother was completely anti-Soviet, um, hated Putin. Mm-hmm. Every time he came on TV or anywhere, he, she would just go, oh my God, I can't see his face. Just mm-hmm. turn that off. Ugh, disgusting, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it was just in the school I went to, Mm-hmm. University, not so much, because actually the university I went to, Moscow State University, which is supposed to be kind of like one of the best, which, well, it isn't anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, they've said, um, I was still in Moscow when they said, we support Putin in his actions. Mm-hmm. And I was just appalled by it. Mm-hmm. A university, you know, that's supposed to spread knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sadly, yeah, sadly, they've been pro-government mm-hmm. for a long time, and now they've just reached the new low. Mm-hmm. So um, for you personally right now, um, you know, you said you don't, you're not even going to repeat what you said, and I won't ask you to repeat it. Um, do you have this, I'm listening to you and like my my heart rate is increasing. I'm feeling like the adrenaline surging through my fingertips. Like, get, you know, like, do you feel safe now in this moment? I mean, I don't have concerns for my personal safety mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm scared for, for my family in Moscow. Mm-hmm. I'm scared for my friends in Moscow, for... Um, basically everyone in Russia because especially the I mean the narrative right now is mm-hmm. so scary mm-hmm. that you just don't know how bad it's gonna get or how soon it's gonna get really bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so I don't know. I mean I've tried to convince mom to leave but I think that's gonna be it might be a bit hard, but yeah, it's it's one of those situations, you know, you, you can't just escape and sort of and feel like, oh, okay, I'm all right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't feel all right until it's all over. 
and that mm-hmm. can take a long time and I don't know how many lives are going to mm-hmm. be destroyed in the process. Yeah. 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 So yeah, let's turn our attention a little bit to Ukraine and Ukrainians who uh <laughs> it's hard to choose words, right? Like words like suffering mm-hmm. and you know uh they they're they're being victimized um right now and it's Mm-hmm. Hard to put into words how appalling it is for um, those of us watching. And um, mm. I'm, I, I was so struck by something that you said um, in that in that first post where I was kind of introduced to you, where you said like essentially Russians and Ukrainians are like you know br- brothers and sisters. You know, you're calling them, they're calling you. You're you're you know, um, and and I was. I was so struck. So first, <laughs> I, I'm going to pair that up. Like I'm going to go with another um, line of thought, but they're going to they're mm-hmm. going to merge together. So um, I have downloaded your cookbook, and it, it's so great. It's like an anthropological and historical work of the Soviet Union. Um, mm, it's called the you. Soviet. Yeah, I, I I really, really, this whole morning I was reading it and I <laughs> I was really slowed down because I kept reading paragraphs to whoever happened to be in the kitchen with me. <laughs> like, you've got to listen to Aww. this. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Aww, that's nice to hear. <laughs> well, yeah, it actually gives great insight into what's happening now. Um, right. Mm. Like our cultures are just so far apart and it's almost like you kind of hear rumors or whatever, and you just never really understood like what was going on. And you read this cookbook about what people's everyday lives were like, um, the access to food Mm. and that even the government was even involved in cookbooks and painting a picture through a cookbook. It's just so foreign to me. It's, 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 it's unbelievable, but Mm. What I was getting to is I noticed right off the bat that the title of your cookbook, it, it wasn't the Russian cookbook, it was the Soviet cookbook. And um, I feel like there's this idea that there was this camaraderie among the people, the everyday citizens of the Soviet Union uh, versus the government. Um, that's always been my sense that those were the two sides, the people and the government, not Russians and Ukrainians or Russians and Estonians or Russians and Latvians. And am I, am I right or wrong on that? Can you speak to that? And can you speak to how Russians and Ukrainians felt about each other before this conflict started? Were they more like family or more like enemies? Um, well, we'll have to go back sort of mm. to before 2014, before the yes. annexation of Crimea. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, I can only speak from my side mm. uh, because I know there's there's a lot of emotions uh, out there right now, and yes, um, we're seeing a lot of those. And yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. So I'll just have to. I can only speak for myself. Fair in, enough. Yes. In my family, my great grandmother came from Kiev. Mm. She. She was a Ukrainian Jew and she mm. moved from Kiev to Moscow in 1925. And I've always felt very close to Kiev specifically um, and Ukraine. I've been to Ukraine a number of times. Um, we always had 
friends from there, people who moved from Ukraine to Russia or from Russia to Ukraine. For a while, um, people would move from Moscow to Kiev or even Lvov. I knew some people, or Lviv, um, some people who moved from Moscow to Lviv because no, they were just looking for a place that was a bit calmer and further from Putin. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this is all like post post nineties, post the the Soviet Union breaking yeah. apart. Okay. Yeah, post nineties. Um, and I, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it was always a very friendly relationship. Obviously, our cultures are very close in many ways. You know, we've got Gogol, Bulgakov, I mean, so many authors that are Ukrainian but wrote in Russian. Mm. And I mean, that it, it's what makes this conflict even more heartbreaking mm. that most people in Russia have uh, friends or family in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. A lot of us do, a lot of us, you know. Um, so, um, I mean, it's devastating that some Russians who have family in Ukraine don't believe their families what about what's happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, I heard um, there's a Ukrainian doctor who has now been announced an enemy of Russia. Mm-hmm. He has a big following on Instagram. He said in a video that he his daughter-in-law was on the phone to her grandfather in Russian in Russia and her grandfather said oh don't worry no just wait a little bit longer and we'll free you because the the because the Russian propaganda narrative is we're freeing Ukraine from neo-nazis <laughs> and he's telling his own granddaughter who's hiding in a shelter saying oh don't worry it's not going to be too much longer and you'll be free so he's completely buying the Russian propaganda narrative and he doesn't believe his own granddaughter. Uh, and, I, and that's the tragedy of Russian propaganda. This is so hard for me to understand. Wow. Yeah. The propaganda is not new. No. No, it, it's no, it's definitely not new. Um I mean, none of this is actually new in terms of the behavior of the government. Um, it's just the old Soviet playbook of how to scare people, how to lie to people. Mm, they're not inventing anything new in that sense. Mm-hmm. They're just going by the rules. And did that, that never, yeah, did that never really end? Or was it just so close in recent um, history that it was easy to fan the flames again? Yeah, yeah, it, it was. It was close enough. Yeah, as you said, to fan the flames again. That that's a good one. Um, when I was when I was little in the nineties, I was born in nineteen eighty six mm-hmm. under Yeltsin. Mm-hmm. And when I was at school, I felt like I lived in a democracy, you know, um, because the like 1996 elections were real elections, you know, um, they, they were, were debates. Yeah, they were. There were debates mm-hmm. on TV. People were making fun of Yeltsin. There were TV shows that made him look 
like a complete idiot, you know, mm-hmm. and it was allowed. Mm-hmm. I mean, the sort of things that were that that people were saying about Yalta. I mean, it felt like a democracy, <laughs> you know. It, and I I was born in the Soviet Union, but as a kid, I didn't even realize that. I thought the Soviet Union happened a long time ago, mm-hmm. and now I live in this free world, and it's all good. Uh, and I remember, I remember filling out a form somewhere, and I had to write the country I was born. And I wrote Russia, and my mom was like, "No, Soviet Union." And I went, "Oh, yeah, that's right." To mm. me, I, I, I felt like I was born in Russia, but obviously, I was born in the Soviet Union. Mm. And then things went down. You know, now we look back on the '90s as this little patch of freedom. You know. This wow. this short time when TV wasn't controlled by the state uh, before they started tightening the bolts again. And then Putin came into power. And at first it wasn't clear what he was going to do, what he was, you know, or, or you might remember that question. Don't remember who asked it was some international um, assembly or something. Someone said, who is Mr. Putin? Mm. And I think he's answering that question now. Mm. 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 Do you think his aim was always to do this? And and by do this, I mean what 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 is he trying to do? Broadly speaking. Ooh, I honestly I don't I mean I know he wants Russia to be 100% controlled. Um, I mean, he wants no one to have a different opinion. You know, they're mm-hmm. talking about this cleansing, you know. Mm-hmm. Russia is cleansing itself of anyone who disagrees or who thinks differently. Some have already left by themselves. Others are being hunted down. And yeah. um, so in that sense, he wants, you know, to go back in time. Um mm-hmm. What he wants for outside Russia, honestly, I don't, I don't know. I, I guess, well, he obviously wants Ukraine to be part of Russia, or not part of Russia, maybe, but under Russian um, control, mm-hmm. for sure, mm-hmm. uh, like it used to be before Maidan. Yeah. So, I mean, it's clear he wants that. Whether he will go further, whether he will, I have no idea. Honestly, yeah. I, I, I I try not to even think about it. It's yeah. a bit too much. Yeah. So I want to take um, in. I mean, all yeah. of this is too much. But yeah. 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 Um, just returning back to this question of um, the 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 Russian and Ukrainian relationship, or really relationship between all. I I guess. I am trying to understand, is, is there an idea of um, a, a, among the people of, and, and I guess you really, yeah, I might be asking you a question that's impossible for you to answer. I guess I'm just asking your experience. Is there a sense among the people of the Soviet nations, which of course now, of course, they're split into how many is it, 30 or something like that, that um, we kind of had this shared experience at the hands of um, a corrupt 
government and and there's a there's a brotherhood a sisterhood here um or mm. how much is there a sense of the russians were the aggressors um back in soviet days you know what i mean do do you have a sense mm. of that growing yeah. up did you have a feeling one way or another were you viewed as the enemy or kind of a shared like a, a do you see what i'm saying yeah i yeah yeah, yeah. i just see what you're saying um I think it's important to say that under the Soviet Union, mm. uh, people were prosecuted kind of equally. You know, it wasn't that they went against, I mean, they went against Jews after the mm. war. Yeah. Stalin started yeah. this anti-Jewish campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in other respects, they were looking for people who thought differently and it didn't right. matter what nationality they were. Right. And Lenin was saying, you know, we need to embrace all the nationalities. He actually was kind of progressive in that sense, which Stalin, yeah. of course, stopped. Then my great grandmother uh, spoke Yiddish. Mm. She, she was bilingual. She had Russian and Yiddish, but my grandmother uh, didn't speak any Yiddish. So her parents didn't teach her Yiddish because at some point, you know, people stopped speaking their yeah. um, national languages. So, so there's a, yeah, there's a big problem with languages all over the post-Soviet space. Mm -hmm. And in terms of attitude towards Russians, it really depends on the, uh, the state, the country. Mm. Like in the Baltics, for instance, um, I was there, I don't know, maybe... 20 years ago yeah 15 20 years ago and uh it was better to speak english in the street than russian because you got looks and kind of people didn't 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 appreciate it wow. um in ukraine i didn't feel that um in georgia for example obviously the history with georgia is very intense mm. Uh, and I lived in Georgia for four years and from the older generation, everyone loved Russia, everyone loved Russians, but the young people were very anti-Russian, mm -hmm. the, the progressive people, which is completely understandable. Like, yeah. you know, I, I get it 100%. I understand everyone who doesn't like Russians, you know, mm -hmm. um, from from those from that region you know, from our part of the world um when the, the the people who don't like russians who are sort of currently hating russians in uh, in the west or mm. in countries that haven't really had much contact direct contact with russia that is sort of a different story mm. Mm. and that's a concern um mm. uh the the anti-russian mood Right. So, yeah, you would distinguish between. Um, I, I'm. <laughs> I don't have to uh, tell you. You know, some of the posts that are coming from Ukrainians um, that are mm. saying, "Stop calling this Putin's war. This is Russia's war." Um, you know, putting the blame, uh, spreading the blame around, and you would differentiate between those people and, um, you know, like let's say if in the U.S. Uh, someone would like bully a kid who came from a Russian um, 
school or mm. background or exchange student, you would you would make a clear distinction between those two groups of people and like what's kind of fair and understandable and what's not. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Look, I don't want to excuse any kind of hate, but mm. from Ukraine, from the point of view yeah. of Ukrainians, you know, yeah. they're being bombed, and I completely yeah. understand uh, that they hate Russians right now. If yeah. I was being bombed, I would hate whoever was bombing me as well. Yeah. Um, although I must say that there are many Ukrainians who reach out to, like I've been reached out by by Ukrainian yeah. friends when I was in Moscow and they would say, oh my God, I'm worried for you. Are you mm. okay? You know, because I've seen yeah. your post. Mm. Are you okay? And I would think, oh my God, you are currently mm. in the war zone and you worry about me. You know, mm. that's amazing. You know, yeah. th those people yeah. are just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of that. There's a lot of people who still, um, you know, love their Russian friends and yeah. and definitely make a, a very clear distinction between yeah. Putin and Russia or, or Russians, at least part of the Russians, you know, anti-Putin Russians. Um, but yes, there are people, there was a, I saw a poster in Tbilisi that said every Russian is responsible, mm. which is just not true. I mean, it's just not true mm -hmm. i mean if every russian is responsible then navalny is also responsible well, is he of course mm -hmm. not you know mm -hmm. or all the over fifteen thousand people i mean fifteen thousand people was a few days ago i mean it's probably more now that they got arrested at protests and wow. mm -hmm. so many so many russians are mm -hmm. not responsible for this um right and then there's the very sticky question of are you responsible if you've believed the propaganda? I mean, that's right. Like yeah. if you've been lied to and you've believed it, does that make you responsible? That's a, that's a, that's a very difficult. Mm. It's difficult. Yeah, it is difficult. Yeah. I mean, so the, the people who believe the propaganda, um, who support the military operation, as as it's called in Russia, you can't say war in Russia. Um, they don't support people being bombed because, as far as they're concerned, they're not being bombed. That's the problem. They think that there is no war; that it's only military objects that are targeted. That all the videos of civilians being killed and injured are fake. And if they actually found out what was happening, they would be terrified. You and believe I, that? Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, yeah. for sure. There's yeah. all these people who believe it are not bad people. That's the mm -hmm. thing. Uh, I mean, like a lot of the, <laughs> forgive me if I'm wrong, but like a lot of the, the Trump supporters, for example, mm. aren't exactly bad people. Like if someone knocked right. on their door and asked for help, they would help. You know, right. a lot of right. these people in Russia who believe Putin's propaganda, if you ask them for help, if you turned up that right. the one said, I need your help, they would help you. Right. Most right. of them for sure. Right. You know, is there if a, they knew, uh -huh. they wouldn't support it. Yeah. 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 So talk to me about um, I read somewhere. Um, I don't remember who this person was. Um, they kind of, they had this account where they kind of showed like relics from the Soviet era. That was like the, the, the theme of their account. And, uh, they said 
um, again, very, very shortly after the invasion, um, they said Russia went backwards 30 years in two weeks. Um, do you oh, agree? Yeah. Do, okay. So what, what does that mean? And what ways did Russia go backwards in two weeks? And my question is like, people who don't believe what's happening, how are they explaining all of these overnight changes? Like they've got to realize something's happening, right? Or is this just Western mm-hmm. aggression in their minds? Well, I think, yes, in their minds, it's Western aggression. Um, mm. But I mean, we all feel that way that, I mean, by we all, I mean, people yeah. who share my my um, yeah. opinion, we all see that everything that was achieved in the last 30 years, I mean, in every sense, has been absolutely destroyed. So delineate without, some of those senses. Yeah. Lay, lay out. What are, so, what are those areas? Yeah. So, for instance, I caught up with a friend yesterday who is uh, in IT. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, I've created so much of the telecom or internet um, connections. I mean, I don't know much about IT. But he said they're destroying all the work that I've done in the last 20 years, you know, he's 40 something. So, I mean, uh, all the stuff, uh, I mean, in every sense, every Mm. sense, in terms of obviously any kind of freedom of speech, Mm. there's nothing left in terms of the restaurant scene. No, we've worked so hard to have really great places, great service, Mm-hmm. just I mean Moscow up until the 24th was an incredible city it was so advanced it was just amazing and now all these restaurants are going to go out of business uh, economically we're going to be back to the 90s when there's hardly enough food on the table mm-hmm. in terms of all the great services we had like you could order food have it delivered within 20 minutes mm-hmm. Yeah, you wrote about that. And give you a discount. I mean, the level of service was amazing. Mm. All of that sphere. Education, you know, like, um, I mean, I have a kid and I was thinking of sending him to a private school where there was going to be like this great approach, you know, individual approach to every kid, you know, about what he or she wants. I know what what they should be focusing on and and all of that now they're going to destroy any mm. independent uh educational institution because and all the kids are going to be taught that this is the party line and this is what you need to know and they've already gotten kids little kids to draw zeds to yeah. form so you know with their little bodies yeah you know, i've been and, seeing those pictures yeah just you know, yeah everything every aspect of life okay even clothing you know i remember zara coming into russia and how oh, it was a big deal h&m came to russia it was like wow wow we've got we've got these western brands now it's amazing uh there they've left you know um all the rel- cultural relations you know we had such great exhibitions in in moscow um theater, ballet, I mean, 
and Russian art was being displaced internationally, of course, and now those cultural ties are being cut off, and it's such a shame. And basically, yeah, every in 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 every way, the Russia that was created in the last thirty years um, has been destroyed. Mm. And you barely even mentioned the economic, which you said it took, did you say it took three months salary to fly from Moscow to Istanbul? Oh, a couple of months. Yeah. It was yeah. more than one month's salary. Yeah. To fly from Istanbul to Moscow. And that was overnight that that change happened. Um, that, yeah, it was pretty quick. I mean, everyone was trying to get out. It was really hard to find flights. Um but economically, I mean, you know, my mom was remembering the 90s when people would try to grow mushrooms in their apartments or apartment buildings uh, where, where it was sort of dark enough. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. people had chickens on the balcony. And um I don't know. I don't know what food's going to cost in two, three months time. How many people are going to be unemployed? And people oh, just a, look a, at this and yeah, and situation. yeah, they just think, but we're not doing anything wrong. Like there, there's just such a, I, I'm having trouble getting the question out because there's just, it seems like there would be such an obvious cognitive dissonance. Like my government tells mm-hmm. me nothing's wrong, but my entire culture educational system economy is falling apart and and they can just very easily blame all of that on the west and say it we're totally just victims and and people just believe that well yeah and it's easy to believe because like you know visa mastercard left russia yeah um and but they just feel like that was totally unprovoked they just did that just because they're bad bad westerners I guess so. I mean, look, it's hard for me to to try and get inside yeah. um, their heads, and yeah. it's emotionally hard. So I try, mm, I try not to. Mm, okay. <laughs> um, but mm. I mean, the problem is the problem with the sanctions is um, most people will still blame the West and not the mm-hmm. government, mm-hmm. and everyone is just gonna suffer and they say it's to target the government like mm-hmm. to target to target putin obviously but it's uh so far he's still okay but like i can't use my cards you know mm-hmm. i'm in istanbul and i can't use my bank cards so it's right a bit hard right so i guess that's the thing is that would would the suffering of the people ever bring about change in the government? And tied with that, this will be the last question. And I've kept you much longer than I intended to, and I really do appreciate it. Um, can can a citizen um, bring about change? You know, outside of a democracy, and I guess in any system of government, like how much. How much responsibility does an individual hold for the actions of its government? Honestly, um, overthrowing the government in Russia right now is 
for the average people is practically impossible. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm being told by some people, you know, you shouldn't have left Russia. You should have stayed and overthrown the government. And uh, <laughs> yeah, obviously people who say don't know anything about yeah. an authoritarian regime. You know, like I'm in yeah. Turkey now and everyone here is very sympathetic because yeah. they understand what it's like. Um, yeah. It's unfortunately, it, um, I don't believe there's much we can do at the moment. Yeah. Although we, I mean, people still try, people still protest, yeah. people still do things. Um, but um, mm. I mean, uh, people in the Soviet Union were very poor, mm-hmm. and yeah, and it they didn't change anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. and who knows? I mean, uh, there's probably going to be protests once people realize that they have no money. Because mm-hmm. at this point, right now it's still more or less okay. We just, mm-hmm. we just know what it's going to turn into mm-hmm. before too long. Um, but once it does turn into a situation where people can't afford bread, mm-hmm. I mean, we will see more violent protests, I think, mm-hmm. from not from the intelligentsia who are protesting now and who have been protesting up mm-hmm. until now. No, there's mm-hmm. going to be a completely different crowd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But I'm afraid that it would just be violently, that there would just be silence very violently. Mm. I think it has to come from the top, basically, the change Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in one way or another. (sighs) Yeah, I'll tell you, it... (sighs) It makes me think you know, as a member of a free society, it makes me think very differently about the concept of being apolitical. Um, mm-hmm. Because the privilege that I do have, I'd better be using that, right? It comes with responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And, and like, I appreciate you saying be very slow to judge. Um, people who really don't have any agency and the choices that they make. Um, I, I really, I think that's important for us to understand. Like we are not uh, apples to apples when it comes to like our society and our agency. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's 100%. really, yeah. Good for you to, for you to explain. Um, you have brought up some opportunities for people to help fleeing Russians. You've just recently helped a fleeing uh, Ukrainian couple that was living, I think, in Moscow. Um, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Good for you. Um, Thank you for that and for giving people that opportunity. If people are listening to this and are just moved to, you know, some kind of action, um, where would you recommend that we put our time, our attention, our money? Like, how how can we act to help the situation and, and really just help individuals? I think might be where we are right now. I think if if, uh, if people could help spread the word that um, Russians who are fleeing the regime or Russians who are still in Russia but can't leave are in a horrible situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are hated more or less, you know, uh, by a lot of the people in the world. We lost our country, as it were. You know, we we 
packed up and left in fear. We've been sick to our stomachs since the beginning of the war, just absolutely heartbroken and terrified. And we we can't use our visa cards. We don't have much money. And we are not allowed to go to most countries. No, the visa uh, regimes for most countries for Russia are not good. And, and, and some countries are now canceling visas for Russians at all. So it's really, it's really difficult for us. Mm-hmm. And if people could sort of be our advocates in spreading the word that um, we are, you know, very bad situation and obviously ukrainians should come first without doubt you know those Mm. playing the Mm. war absolutely Mm. but um we also need help Mm -hmm. and you know i i i I see my friends who have also come to istanbul i catch up with people and you know everyone is crying everyone is just so terrified helpless Mm -hmm. you know i'm one i'm lucky because I have a place to go, but others have no idea what they're going to do. No clue where they're going to go. Will will they be allowed to stay? Will they have enough money to rent the place? And if there's any way of um, you know, speaking to your senators, MPs to say, at least don't cancel the visas for Russians and mm-hmm. allow those who are fleeing now to enter the country to to look for work because the people who are leaving now, everyone who's who's fleeing at the moment disagrees with Putin 100%. And also it's the educated people mm-hmm. who would contribute to the society mm-hmm. and will make themselves helpful mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that that's sort of, that's my main message. You know, that's why I, I'm doing these interviews and, Mm-hmm. trying to get word out um, because I see so many people who are in a horrible state mm-hmm. and I feel like something has to be done to help them. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for all this extra time. Uh, I do apologize that we've gone over no, so much. No, 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 thank you, Becky. It was great to speak to you. I really, I really do appreciate this. It helped me. Um, it helped me understand. Um, can you tell people where to find you, where to find your cookbook? Your, if anybody really wants to understand this situation, they really should just read the cookbook. It, mm-hmm. it explains so much. Um, like I said, it's like an anthropological work. Tell yeah, people where I to find really that. appreciate yes. people reading my book. Um, so uh, my book is on Amazon, mm-hmm. uh, the Soviet Diet Cookbook, Exploring Life, Culture, and History, One Recipe at a Time. Uh, it's just the ebook on Amazon. I do have physical copies, but I left them in Moscow. Um, mm-hmm. I couldn't yeah. I couldn't fit them in my suitcase. I, mean, I have a website, mm-hmm. annacarzeva.com yep. and my Instagram, anna.karzeva. Yeah, where you know I post about. I used to write about sort of um, Russian social history and food, and I, I don't know what I'm going to write about from now on. But mm. currently, it's about my my journey. Um, yeah. And, and um, yeah, you actually had another cookbook coming out, but this must change all of that. Well, I was working on uh, another book. Um, 
but yeah, we'll see. Uh, but I think I, I need to process everything and then also I need to find a job, you know, to make money. Yeah. Uh, so it will probably be a little while before I can uh, start approaching publishers about uh, my second book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All of that will be in the show notes. I really thank you for your time. I think that um, in in my prayers for this, which are complicated and uh, messy, I I I have been and um, will continue to pray for the Russian people as well. Um, thank you, Becky. Thanks victims. so much. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Anna. Mm-hmm. I hope that you have a really good day. Thank you. Thanks so much. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. Thank you all again for joining us today, as I am sure you share the sense of helplessness and outrage that I feel. I encourage you to um, look in the show notes for links to Anna's information to follow along with her. Of course, you can always go back to the Cook for Ukraine episode and find lots of people to follow right now there and ways to help. And I would also encourage you again to look into her cookbook, the Soviet Diet Cookbook. I want to tell you a little bit about the the way that this cookbook is written. It turns out that back in the Soviet days, there was exactly one cookbook that most Soviets had access to before the 1990s. And that really was just another tool of government propaganda. So in her cookbook, Anna... um, almost pokes fun at some of this propaganda. She surely um, reveals it by going through and cooking one recipe at a time. And as she does, she shares her grandmother's stories, um, her babushka stories about the reality of life, cooking, and deprivation under the Soviet regime. So as Anna said, the cookbook's only available at least here in the U.S. Um, as an ebook. The cost was under $8. Um, for other global listeners, you would want to check access for that. But this is a great way to support Anna while educating ourselves in really the circumstances that created today's crisis and, um, and even perhaps where it could lead. So I will leave that at that. As for supporting the Storied Recipe podcast, I will briefly mention all the ways that you already know. Please leave a five-star rating or review via the links in the show notes. Please forward this episode to a family or friend. And finally, make sure you subscribe in your player for next week's podcast, or you can subscribe to my newsletter for weekly updates. You get links to the recipes right there as well. Um, Again, this podcast is a labor of love, and all of those things will enable me to continue sharing stories like Anna's. Thank you so much and have a great week, my friends.